If you will, this morning, turn with me to our text. It will be found back in the book of Ephesians again this morning, as we were two weeks ago. This will be found in chapter 1 also, but at the beginning, verse 3. It's Ephesians 1, verse 3. It reads that this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art, how merciful, how long-suffering Thou art to us who believe because of Thy faith. Lord, I thank Thee for that mercy. I thank Thee for Thy great grace. Lord, I ask this morning if you would be so pleased to open up the heavens that we may see into the heavens by the faith that thou givest, that we would see thee, Lord, in these blessings that are spiritual, what they are in thee, and what that union in thee means. Oh, Lord, may you bring it in our soul this morning, as we have troubled souls, we have many afflicted, we have many with many thoughts upon their minds and worries and fears. Lord, I pray this morning you would administer thy peace, that you would bring us to thy throne. Bring us, Lord, to thy banqueting table, for indeed thy banner over thy children is love. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a hymn that we sing occasionally sang it as a young man a lot it was count your blessings the line in there says count your blessings name them one by one I was thinking about that as I read our text this morning and I and I thought if we were in a school setting this morning if I was teaching and I handed out paper and pencil to each one of you and I said let's start writing down those blessings that we can count one by one you, like me, would probably start with your health, uh, your wealth, the jobs you have, the blessed one you have sitting next to you, the, the mate that you have that the Lord has given you in Christ. As we just sang in that hymn, uh, in the first line, it said the afflictions were a mercy of the Lord. Maybe, maybe you thank the Lord for those afflictions that as you go astray, He brings you back. And you would start to enumerate those things as the blessings that the Lord gave you or gives you. And you, like me, would be wrong. Um, As defined in the Word of God, those aren't blessings. Those are mercies. Those things that we receive for our health and what we have in this life are mercies of the Lord. They're those tender mercies that are new each day. And sometimes we, we blur the, the line in there to see what the difference between a blessing and a mercy is. But Paul defines for us the first thing, that they're spiritual blessings. The blessings that we have are in Christ Jesus, and they're spiritual blessings. The difference between a blessing and a mercy is a blessing lasts forever. It goes on forever. And it's not conditional on anything that we do or anything uh, any of our obedience. And, but they're given the blessings that are in Christ Jesus, they're given to every elect child of God in Christ Jesus. We can't lose them. 
one of the blessed things about our text today, it says we're given all. All of them are in Christ. You can't have more than all. Think about that a minute. As we sit and we think about, oh, I'd love to be blessed with more. The prayer of Jabez. Jabez prayed for his uh, borders to be enlarged. He wanted to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. But the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, we have them all. That's what he tells us here in verse 3. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And the beautiful thing about in heavenly places means that we can't lose them. We can't, uh, or no man can get to them. They can't take those blessings away from us. They're stored in Christ Jesus, who the scriptures show us is our Joseph, who stands and with the storehouses as he opens them up to his people, he blesses them with these spiritual blessings. And now that we've started this morning with the differentiation between mercies and blessings, maybe you're asking, what are those blessings? Are they enumerated for us in the scriptures? Do the scriptures really spell out what the blessings are that God has given us in Christ Jesus? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. But we don't have to go anywhere else but Ephesians 1, a little bit into 2. Because that's the whole point when Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He then begins to enumerate them. And I think you'll see the difference. I hope so. I hope the Holy Spirit comes this morning and says to us two things. First, he says to us the difference between a blessing and a mercy. We love the Lord's mercies. I don't make light of any of the Lord's mercies. I need them every day. I need the health. I need the, 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 the clear mind. I need what the Lord has given me every day. The bread the bread on my table, the, the job that he's given me. Those things are needed. And we don't look at them as the rest of the world because the Bible tells us the mercies are on the just and the unjust. Because we see people around us that are very blessed with those things. Health. You know, how many times have you been afflicted with something and you've heard of someone and you look at their life and they've never been in the hospital or they've never been sick and they've never had anything and you think, why is that the case? The Lord tells us in His Word. He sends the mercies on the just and the unjust. He causes the rain to, to, to rain on one side of the street just like He does on the other. The difference is the children of God are brought to His table and to His feet to see what those mercies are and to be thankful for those mercies. The world looks at mercies in different ways. Some are very thankful for them. Some enumerate them. Some even think they have a hand in them heard a lot of things. I, I read those stories sometimes. Every once in a while you'll see something in the news. That this person's lived to be 107. And they go and interview that person. That person then going to tell us why they're 107. What they did. Here's was my secret. I put WD-40 on my joints. Whatever it was. There's some crazy stuff out there. And you never hear them say the same. You never hear them say, well, God has ordained my 107 years. He's brought mercies into my life. He's given me life, and it's the reason I have it. But for the child of God, he's, he understands that about mercies. 
But as we come to our text this morning, I don't want to blur mercies and spiritual blessings. And I don't think you will. The Holy Spirit is faithful as He is as we start to enumerate what those spiritual blessings are, just as Paul did. We start in verse 4. We start right in verse 4, and we say, the first one we see is divine election. According as He has chosen us in Him. And you will notice all of these blessings that Paul puts out for us are in Christ. That's what he told us in our text. These heavenly blessings are in heavenly places. They're in Christ Jesus, the one who dispenses these blessings. They're all flow through Him, from the Father, through the Son, administered by the Holy Ghost. Then we have, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. We have election. And I tell you, as I've lived 51 years, the most polarizing truth in the Word of God is election. You speak to people that you love, you speak to people that you work with, you speak to people. Election is that point that people really hate. Now understand that. Because only grace can make you love it. Only grace says to the child of God, you are in that number that he saved. And we bow to election. We We bow that the Lord said, I will elect some, those in my son, that will live eternally forever. They'll be forgiven all their sins, and the blood of my son will cover all of their sins, past, present, and future. And that will be my church. And anyone outside of Christ is not his. And he did not die for them. And he did not shed one ounce of blood for them. We bow to that because that's what the scriptures tell us. He has chosen us, a church, the church, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Two words we don't walk around saying I'm holy, I'm without blame. The Holy Spirit in this life reveals to us and convicts us of sin. We don't feel like we're without blame because we know we are to blame. We are to blame when we wander. We are prone to wander, Lord, I believe it. I do. I'm prone to wander. That's my fault. But in Christ Jesus, I'm holy and without blame. And I've been elected to that. By the Father. I've chosen me, you, those in Christ Jesus. I have chosen them before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before me, God. That is the only way man can ever be presented before God. He must be holy and without blame. Robed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he tells us in 4. That's what election is. And, and Paul tells us in Romans 9.11, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Understand that today, the election of God will stand. It doesn't matter what man has to say about it. It doesn't really matter what I have to say or any other man has to say. The election of God will stand. It is preordained. 
It is what our next point is going to be. It's predestinated. And that truth, as polarizing it is in the world, is precious to the saint. Because he knows his very existence and he knows his life is hid in his Savior. And then he knows when he hears those words, holy and without blame, that that's the only way that he possibly could ever stand before a righteous and holy judge. It must be in a perfect righteousness by one who had perfect obedience, who did his Father's will in every way. Because we understand we don't. But in him we do. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. That's a spiritual blessing that's in Christ Jesus in heaven, in heavenly places, where they can't be marred, they can't be tainted by us, they can't be added to, they can't be, oh, well, I'll take election and I'll run with it. I'll, I'll then go and tell people or how they can be elected. Yeah, no. It's in the mind of God was in the mind of God, is in the mind of God. And as I said, it's the only way that we can be before Him. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And that's the thing. When you talk to the world about election, they don't see love. They see an unjust judge. They see one, they say, you know, it's just not fair. We've heard that all our life, haven't we? It's not fair what you say. Well, it's not what I say. It's what God, the Sovereign Lord, said. And He tells us why is in love. In love to His church. And a promiscuous Savior, I will not accept. I will not listen to anybody tell me that this Savior died for all men. Because he'd be a failure if he did. Hell is full of people today. My Lord died for an elect people. He gave his life for them. And he told his father, he said, not, not one of them have I lost. That's a beauty. That's a spiritual blessing. Election. We don't run from it. We embrace it. But we only embrace it by grace. The second one I call it sister predestination. He tells us in verse 4, I'm sorry, in verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. We're his children. He's made us sons of God. That's what John 1 tells us. And He did that before there was ever any world. He's ordained this to be. Now that to me, when I hear those things, the Lord just says, sit down. Sit down and listen. Lay down in that pasture. Feed on this. Feed on this truth. That I have ordained a people that I have sent my Son to die for. And I've ordained it long before there was ever any person born or the world was ever made. You know what that tells me? It's sure and it's absolutely going to come to pass. And nothing I'm going to do or nothing any man is going to do. You know, we, we live in a world today of chaos. There's chaos everywhere. You see it. I see it. It bothers us. 
But you know what? When, when we're, our eyes are lifted to heaven, there's no chaos there. There's order. Divine order. Divine election. Divine predestinating purpose. That He has purposed a, and adopted a children by Jesus Christ again. You're not going to see any other name in this today. These blessings are in Him. And then he, at the end of this, he says, uh, well, not in, in the middle, he says, by Jesus Christ to Himself. We're predestined for God's holy use, for His glory. What He does in a saint of God, an elect, He does it for His glory, to receive all honor and all praise and all glory. Isaiah 43, 21 tells us, This people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. In Him. This is for Him. That's why He predestinated what and who He predestinated. Psalm 4, 3 says it this way, But know that the Lord has set apart that Him that is godly for Himself. Let that sink in a minute. David writes, But know this, that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. Not for you, not for me. The work of Christ and the soul and the life of a child of God is for him. It's for his glory. It's his work. We are his workmanship. These are precious truths and blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. And we're told we had them before the foundation of the world. And we're told that they're away in a place we can't touch them. Mess them up, I should say. We experience them. You'll see that. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to what? The good pleasure of His will. It's an amazing thing. You know, when, you, when you're talking to people or you're talking about God and you tell them, well, that's what the Lord said in His Word. And they look at you funny because it's like, well, why do you accept that? Grace. Grace has humbled me to accept everything He wrote in this Word. It's His Word. He said it. I believe it. Does that settle it? No, I mean, I, I'll still be times of unbelief, but it ain't going to change His Word. It's settled in heaven. It's to the good pleasure of His will. He keeps His children. He reveals these truths. But look, at number, look at verse 6. We have the next one. Divine acceptation. What does that mean? We're accepted in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He's made us accepted in the beloved. You know, I, I love those two, two words, made us, because that reminds me that I'm a wandering sheep. It reminds me that I need a shepherd. It reminds me that if I was a sheep, if I am a sheep, I tend to wander, and I tend to prone and go wherever. I need the shepherd to make me to lie down in these green pastures. 
I need him to show me and make me accepted in the blood. That's what he does. He takes the rags of filth off of me, as we see with Joshua and Zechariah. Three. And he clothes us with the clothing and the robe and the righteousness of Christ. Which is not, has any tear in it and no blemish. And it's perfect and it's holy and it's righteous. It's his righteousness. He's made us accepted in the beloved. Do you hear that? The Father accepts us in the Son. That's how important this union is. And we'll get to union here in a minute. Because Paul doesn't leave it out either. As he's speaking about what these spiritual blessings are, I hope so far you're seeing the difference between a spiritual blessing and those things that we love as mercies in this life. But these things that the Lord has ordained for His church that are in Christ Jesus, I hope today, I hope, I hope you're sitting there now saying, I, I can't live without any of those. There's no life without any of those. I mean, there might be some in here today that still struggle with election. Might be. Might be some that struggle with, with other parts of this, predestination, whatever it is. But you won't. You won't if you're His. He brings you to see, to understand, to accept, and to love. To love these blessings. Because they're given out of love. The purity, the most pure of love. has made us accepted in the blood. It's made us accepted in the one who said it is finished. That's, that's the thing. We see and we hear those words of Jesus on the cross and, and we, it, they transcend that my life is over here on earth. That ain't what it means. It means far more than that to the child of God. What you did, Lord, finished everything finished salvation, finished everything for me. My life is wrought in your life. Your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension. Without that, I, I, I have nothing. And he begins that verse to the praise and glory of his grace, which we're reminded again that it's by his grace. And then look at verse 7. We got that in whom again? Those blessings that are in Christ again. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. Now he could have separated the two because they are two different things. Redemption and forgiveness. However, they can never be separated because they go hand in hand. Redemption is the Lord Jesus Christ has paid the price which was His blood. Which was His life. That's what he says. And we have redemption through his blood. That efficacious blood, the power of the blood to take away our sins and pay the price that was exacted. The wages of sin is death. And he gave up his life for us. But with redemption comes forgiveness of those sins. The forgiveness of sin. But in the redemption, we have what Paul said in Acts 20, 28. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves, as he was speaking to those over the flock. And he said, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. 
to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. That's redemption. He has purchased the church who was dead in its sins and iniquities and had a debt owed to the Father. And he said, I will go and I will pay that debt through my perfect obedience and the power of my blood to take away those sins and to pay the debt of those sins. And I'll take those sins away as far as from the east is to the west. And the Father will never see them. Redemption through His blood. That's a spiritual blessing. And then the forgiveness of sins. He says in Romans 4, 7, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Covered by what? That blood we just talked about. They're hidden. They're hidden from the Father. They're taken away. And once again, as I said, this verse starts with in whom. We have that in Christ Jesus, in our beloved in the one that we serve in our text, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that His blessing goes to the Father. Oh, thank you for Christ. Thank you who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. You put them in a place that we cannot mar them in Christ. You have given them to the one who has lived eternally, who died and rose again, has conquered death, has conquered sin, has conquered the devil, has conquered everything that's our, that we're fearful of. He's done it all. All according to the riches of His grace again. Verse 7. And then we go down to verse 9. We see something else. Another spiritual blessing, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. Knowledge of this mystery. Knowledge of the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. That's that blessing that's purposed in Himself. He's given us knowledge of what this mystery is. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. He said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son, and, to, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. That's how we know the mystery of the gospel. Paul says that a lot. He uses the word mystery of the gospel a lot. And he attaches things to it. And each one of those things sum up what that mystery is. But he sums it all up in one text. If you turn with me just over a few pages to Colossians 1, he sums it up for us here. Colossians 1 will begin in verse 26. I will move up to 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generation and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints. Now is. What was that mystery? He tells us, to whom God would make known 
What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ that's in us, that dwells in us, that we're hearing today is full of these blessings. That has all of these blessings for us. And dwells in us and is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Is the mystery of the gospel. And that is the mystery. It's always been a mystery. The Jews couldn't understand it. They believed worship was in a formalized way. They believed he was found in nature. They believed he was found in the temple. They believed he was found in sacrifice. And they missed Christ when he came. And the Gentile world knew nothing of Christ unless he was revealed to them. And praise be to God, as we sit here today as Gentiles, Praise be to God, He did. And what a mystery is it. Christ in you. And I tell you what, if you don't think it's much of a mystery, try to go and explain that to people. What is, what is the gospel? Well, it's Christ in me. Well, what does that mean? What is Christ in you? And then you'll probably start to enumerate all of the attributes of Christ, but it's more than that. That's what this text tells us today. It's more than that. It's his energizing power to reveal himself and to enable the saint, the child of God, to walk in that, to live in Christ Jesus, in whom we have life. We move and have our being. It's in Christ Jesus alone. And he's made that known unto us. That's what our text says in 9. He's made that known. That's a spiritual blessing that can't be marred. That knowledge that God breathes forth into us from above, man can't mar that. He can't. If God teaches you something, you can't lose it if He teaches it to yourself. Yeah, we, yeah, that's the scary thing about religion. We can all learn the doctrines. And we can all... Think on them and those things. But when it comes to living them, practicing them, there's no power in us to do so. But if grace is there, if Christ is there, that energizing power, those doctrines will be walked in and believed and spoken and lived. Will we have conflict? Yeah, as long as we got this old nature living in us. Old sin nature. But we have victory in Christ Jesus. Just put that sin away. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He has purposed in Himself. And then we get to verse 10 where we have that union. We've been kind of hinting on that, that vital union that's so important have to be in Christ who's in the Father and we're all in one union. Isn't that what John 17 tells us? Oh Father that they would know that I and thee are one and that they are one in us. That's union. Beautiful union. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ Jesus both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in Him. All the saints are unified 
whether they're in heaven or on earth. How are we unified in Christ Jesus? We have that union that is so precious to us. And as I said, if you want to learn more about that union, if you want to bask in the glow of that union, John 17. Without that union, and I love to attach that word vital to it, because without it, we have nothing. We have nothing. Then in verse 11 tells us about our divine inheritance that we have. And I think you can understand why these things are being talked of being spiritual blessings. The inheritance that we have in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Those words again, in whom. You notice we don't go anywhere without those words. Why would we? And whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, which tells us our inheritance is predestinated. All that we have is predestinated. Peter wrote about this, this inheritance. Turn over to 1 Peter, will you, for a minute. 1 Peter 1. see some characteristics of this inheritance that's in Christ Jesus. He tells us how we know it, but in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living, a living hope, a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We spoke about that last time, about this living hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ. It's an energizing power. To an inheritance. Let us hear what this inheritance is. It's incorruptible. Undefiled. And it fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. That inheritance can't be lost. It can't be corrupted. It can't be stolen. It can't be defiled. Think of, hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but I think of our pastor when I hear those words, because if my, my memory serves me right, his inheritance was stolen from him, earthly, part of it. This one won't be. This one's secured in Christ Jesus. Can't be marred. We can't spend it away. We read in that beautiful song, a song that we sang today, we we heard of one who, who took his earthly inheritance and he sat there and used it all, spoiled it all away. But he couldn't. He could not spend away his heavenly inheritance. The Father embraced him, called him a son, not a servant, put bread at the table. That's what the Lord is to us. These are secured for us. They're spiritual blessings. They're they're in those heavenly places. Verse 5 tells us who are kept by the power of God. That tells us how that inheritance will always be there and how we will have it one day in its fullness. 
We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, we, we worry so much about those times, those perilous last days of our life, and none of us know what they are or when they'll be, but we worry about them nonetheless. But yet the Bible tells us over and over again that the Lord's inheritance for us and what He has for us begins the, the moment we close our eyes for the last time. We'll see Him as He is. We'll see the fullness of the glory of the Son of God. We'll see the Father. We'll be robed in the righteousness of the Son. That inheritance is quite a blessing. You know, a lot of a lot of the pe- Lord's people here in this earth are downtrodden and have poverty and stricken. But they have an inheritance. This inheritance no man can take and no man can lay claim to. And say, well, you, you don't, you're not going to have that. I'm going to steal it from you. Can't do it it's in Christ where everything is yea and amen where everything is sure in our shirt and then we drop down to verse 13 we see three things trust belief and a sealing in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth Faith comes by hearing, we we understand, and hearing by the word of God, he brings that into our soul of that gospel that we hear. And then this word trust comes in. We we have trust. There's things we trust in. You know, you go out to your car in the morning, you're trusting it's going to start. Sometimes it doesn't. You, You get up in the morning, you trust that the things, the way you left them the night before are that way. Sometimes they're not. We trust in a lot of things on this earth. But this trust, this heavenly blessing, this spiritual blessing, is something that can't, that is fulfilled, I should say. It can't let us down. This trust works with faith. It says, In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. How did that happen? By grace. In Christ Jesus. When you heard of that salvation, you trusted Him. You say, oh, brother, there's times I don't feel like I trust Him. You're right. I'm right there along with you. But do you know what the beautiful thing about that? It doesn't mar our salvation. It doesn't change our salvation. It's fixed. whom you also trusted after that you received the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And He seals us to the day, whatever you want to put in that, that day. He seals us all our life. It's an eternal sealing that we can't lose. We're kept by the power of God. We're kept by the triune God. 
And I love that little part at the end, the Holy Spirit of promise. It's a promise to all of the children of God. It's a promise that we'll see Christ. That's what Jesus said. I will send another comforter. And he will testify of me. He'll take the things of me and he'll show them to you. That's a promise. He's the Holy Spirit of promise. And that's sealed that we can't do anything to send that away. He's faithful. These are the blessings that Paul enumerates for us that we have in Christ Jesus. And then, of course, the one we talked about two weeks ago, beginning in 19 and 20, the resurrection power. A power that, as was said then, is power that is exceeding great. What is that exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places? That's the power the child of God lives by. That's the power of God and the resurrection power that we have that testifies of life. We're going to see that in a minute. Because you can't read two 1 through 5 without understanding 19 and 20. 19 and 20 tell us it's resurrection power. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power that causes us and enables us to believe that keeps us, that has these blessings in spiritual places or high places, heavenly places in Christ. Because then when you go down to verse two, uh, chapter 2 and you see the definition of what resurrection power is. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. And I say this every time I read this. That testimony has to be sealed in your soul. That's what Christ has done for me. That is what Christ has done for you. That is what grace tells you. That He has quickened you from a past life that you had. Not that we're still marred by sin. That's a whole other issue. But you had a past life where you didn't trust Him. That you didn't believe in Him. That you didn't have faith. That you had a notional understanding, but there's a difference now. He's quickened you to life. And brothers and sisters, if you feel like you're sitting in that chair and you say, I don't know if He's quickened me. If He's given you that little glimmer of hope, He will finish that which He has started. It's His promise. It is His promise to finish what He has begun in the soul. And He will. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Is there a difference? Among whom also we, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Do you find that today? That the flesh, the fleshly things that we want so bad, the, the money, the riches, the power, the, the, to move on in this life, to move up in this life, do they control you every day? Paul tells us we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's what we had. But then the equalizer, the more than equalizer, the answer to that. Oh, Lord, how can we get out of that? Well, there's one way, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He's quickened us together with Christ. That's resurrection power. By grace ye are saved. And what we've heard all day, it's by grace. It's by being in Christ Jesus. It's the spiritual blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Then he enumerates that again in 6. He says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what we have today. That's what resurrection life is. He takes us into the heavenlies and reveals to us what we have in our brother, in our surety, in our Lord, in Christ. And then the beauty of verse 7. As we close this morning, in the beauty of verse 7, that in the times to come, the ages to come, the times to come, this is for you and I, in the times to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I pray today is one of those times. I pray it is. I pray this hour has been filled with Christ revealing to you what you have in Him. I pray tonight as you go home and you lay your head on that pillow to go to sleep tonight, you sleep a little better because Christ reveals to you what these blessings are that we have in Him. And if He does that, all the problems in this world will just pale in comparison. And there'll be nothing. Maybe we lay our heads down tonight and if the Lord just gives us that nugget, maybe just one of these is enough to satisfy and to bring that heavenly peace as only He can. The ages to come, He might show that exceeding riches of His grace. And I hope you see it as kindness. And I hope you see it as undeserved kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, most precious and holy Lord, add Thy power, and Lord, reveal to Thy people these great blessings that You have in Thy Son. Spell them out for us, Lord, in Thee. Bring us by Thy power to see them, to bask in them, to rest in them. Make us, Lord, to sit down Make us to rest in the pasture of thy finished work. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.